American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about the North American martyrs, specifically the three who were martyred in what is today New York State Rene Goupil, Isaac Jogues, and John de Lalande. Right. The larger group known as the North American Martyrs also includes five others who were martyred in present day Canada. And while the group of eight were canonized together in 1930 and are celebrated together on the Memorial of the North American Martyrs on October 19th, we can't cover all eight in one episode, so we are going to focus on the three who were killed within the U.S. St. Isaac Jogues was a Jesuit priest. St. René Goupil was a lay brother who had taken Jesuit vows before his death. And the third was St. John de Lalande, also a lay brother, not in any vows. The story takes us back to 17th century Canada. The French had first arrived in Canada in 1534 and had been working on establishing permanent settlements. The situation they were sailing into included the Huron and Algonquin people to the north of the St. Lawrence River and the Great Lakes, who were more or less peaceful people and welcoming to outsiders. And then the Iroquois Nation, which controlled the land to the south of the Great Lakes. The various peoples of the Iroquois Nation were not as peaceable. The French opted to settle along the north bank of the St. Lawrence, and they forged alliances with the Algonquin and the Huron. They established what is now Quebec City on the St. Lawrence River in 1608 as its fur trading post. A side note, but I just learned this while researching this episode, the name Quebec apparently came from a sailor's exclamation upon seeing the huge rocky cliff face which the settlement was eventually built on. Quebec translates to, what a rock! Others may have known that, but I did not, and I thought it was really cool. It is pretty cool. Among the Frenchmen who came over from the earliest days were Jesuit missionaries. Establishing colonies in the New World certainly had its political and economic motives, but the Catholic kings of Europe also saw their role as one of evangelization. So they provided for missionaries to make the trip to bring the light of Christ to the unevangelized lands. The missionaries established their bases in the major settlements, Quebec, Trois-Rivières, and Montreal, but forays went west deep into pagan territory. On the shores of Lake Huron, some 500 miles west of Quebec City, the Jesuits established a village which they named St. Joseph. The superior of the Jesuits in Canada at the time was Father John de Brebeuf, and he was located at St. Joseph. Now, Jean de Brebeuf is not one of the three we're focusing on, but he himself was eventually martyred in Canada and is another of the eight North American martyrs. But as superior, he was responsible for inspiring a number of the other missionaries to come to the New World. In 1636, Brebeuf was in France to recruit missionaries. Among the audience, hearing his harrowing accounts of the hardships and dangers of life as a missionary was the newly ordained Father Isaac Jogues. Jogues' heart was set on fire for the mission. Jogues was 29 years old at this point, and he joined Brebeuf on the return trip to New France in August of that year. They arrived in time to celebrate Mass on the Feast of the Visitation, which was celebrated on July 2nd until 1969. Jogues joined Brebeuf at the village of St. Joseph and poured himself into the work among the natives, learning their language, working with them, learning their customs, and sharing with them the good news of the gospel. But before he could really pour himself into this work, he had to overcome a major obstacle. 
an obstacle that would, in a way, lead to his death. Right. Disease. Shortly after he arrived, he became ill with the flu, and others in the village, both Jesuits and natives, also became ill. The Jesuits all recovered, but a number of the natives died. Since medical science didn't yet understand viruses and diseases very well, the natives took it to mean that the Jesuits, or black robes as they called them, had brought this calamity and they were doing it intentionally to some degree. This caused some strains in the relationship, but not enough for the Jesuits to lose the trust of the natives. Jogues lived and worked and ministered and prayed and offered mass, heard confessions, baptized and anointed the sick at St. Joseph for six years. It was in 1642 that the first part of his passion took place. But before we get to the particulars of his suffering, we need to bring in the second name among our three martyrs, René Goupil. Goupil was born the same year as Jogues, 1607, and had come to the New World in 1640 as a Donné. He was a physician by training and had been in the Jesuit novitiate back in France, but had to leave the novitiate within a year due to deafness. So he offered himself as a donné or a layman who has given himself to the work of the mission, but who is not in religious vows. So it was in this capacity that he had been working in hospitals in and near Quebec City when he met Jogues in 1642. Jogues had returned to Quebec City in mid-1642 to collect needed medical and other supplies, and Goupil hooked on with Jogues as a disciple and companion. He resolved to return to St. Joseph with Jogues. In September of 1642, Jogues and Goupil, among others, set off to head back to St. Joseph. They made it about three-quarters of the way back to the area around Lake St. Peter, Ontario, when they were ambushed by a war party of Mohawks. The Mohawks were part of the Iroquois Nation from the land south of the Great Lakes. They were based along the Mohawk River, which flows from west to east in the middle of modern New York State, emptying into the Hudson near present-day Albany. The captured Huron and French travelers were stripped and beaten and taken from village to village to be displayed, beaten more, and humiliated. They endured this, marching with the war party 250 miles overland to the Mohawk village of Osernanon, which is about 30 to 40 miles west of present-day Albany, New York. They arrived in Osernanon well-bloodied with broken bones and with open wounds and sores. Along the way, the Mohawk pulled out their fingernails and ordered an, an Algonquin woman to cut off at least one of Jogues's thumbs so he couldn't wield a weapon, and Mohawk warriors had gnawed through a few of Jogues's fingers right down to the bone. But also on the way, Goupil had asked Jogues if he could make his vows as a Jesuit, since only health had prevented this before. In the present circumstances, such a concern didn't seem that significant. Jogues consented and received Goupil's vows as a lay Jesuit brother. In Osernanon, the first sacrifice would be made. The war parties who had brought the captives back had proven impervious to attempts to evangelize, but that didn't dampen the spirit of evangelization. In Osernanon, René Goupil took the opportunities he had to teach some children the sign of the cross. He was caught in the act and cut down with a tomahawk. Father Jogues had an opportunity to grant him absolution and hear him die saying the holy name of Jesus. René Goupil became the first martyr on American soil on September 19, 1642. Father Jogues was kept alive and pressed into a state of service to an older Mohawk woman. It seems she actually saved his life more than once. She took to calling him nephew, and he in turn called her aunt. He remained a prisoner of the Mohawk until June of the following year, when he managed to escape with the help of some Dutch traders. 
Mind you, as the Huron and Iroquois were enemies, so were the French and Dutch in the New World. But the mistreatment of a priest was too much for the Protestant Dutch. Father Jogues was taken to Manhattan Island, becoming the first priest to visit Manhattan Island, incidentally, and was nursed back to health before being put on a ship to return to France. Naturally, he wasn't really recognized when he returned to his confrères in France. He remained there for two and a half years. Pope Urban VIII was said to consider Jogues a living martyr and granted Jogues special dispensation to celebrate Mass despite his mutilated hands, because at the time, canon law required that only the index finger and the thumb touch the host, no others. His hands were mutilated, so he needed a dispensation. Jogues considered that his time with the Mohawk was a blessed time and an opportunity. He had come to know their customs and their language and spoke lovingly of them. While with them, he had evangelized many and even baptized at least a few. He was eager to return to New France to serve as an ambassador to the Mohawk people, and he brought with him the third of our North American martyrs, John de la Lande. John de la Lande was 19 years old when he and Jogues arrived in New France in spring of 1646. Like Goupil before him, he was a donné, a layman who was giving himself to be a helper to the Jesuits in their missionary work. The situation in the New World had changed a bit since Jogues left. The Huron and Iroquois weren't buddy-buddy by any means, but they had begun actually trading prisoners rather than torturing and butchering them in particularly cruel ways. In 1645, a treaty was signed among the French, Huron, Algonquin, Iroquois, and Mohawk people. All sides agreed to simply allow safe passage through their territory for trade and travel. It wasn't much, but it was something. Jogues' desire and mission was to be one to maintain that peace and see it develop into something more significant. So in the middle of 1646, he returned to Osernanon, the Mohawk village where Goupil was martyred as an envoy of the government of New France. He returned to Quebec City, but then was sent back to Osernanon, this time as a Jesuit priest and missionary. Concerning this missionary trip, he wrote to his superior, My heart tells me that if I am the one to be sent on this mission, I shall go, but I shall not return. But I would be glad if our Lord wished to complete the sacrifice where he began it. Farewell, dear father. Pray that God unite me to himself inseparably. He was not seeking martyrdom, but his desire to bring Christ to those Mohawk who had persecuted him so harshly made martyrdom a fact of life. Indeed. Of his own sufferings and those of others he had witnessed, he had written, The procession of torture victims beginning to enter this narrow way of paradise. It was indeed then that I could say with my Lord and Master, Supradorsum meum fabricaverunt peccatores, which means, Sinners have built and left monuments and marks of their rage upon my back. John de Leland was committed to accompanying Jogues as he had done on the diplomatic trip earlier in the year, but before departing, Jogues made it quite clear to de Leland that he expected to be martyred. He told de Leland that if he had any fears or hesitations about the likelihood of martyrdom, then he should remain behind. With his eyes open and with full heart and full mind, De La Land accepted these terms and went with the missionary to the Mohawk. When Jogues and De La Land arrived in the Mohawk camp, they were received tentatively. The elders accepted their presence and did not particularly mind their efforts to evangelize, but the younger braves were less enthused. They disliked the peace deal, and Jogues was a living witness to it. Further, there had been a drought that summer and another outbreak of smallpox. They blamed both on Jogues and, in particular, on his mass kit. 
Jogues and De La Land were staying in the longhouse of his aunt, the older Mohawk woman whom, who had protected him and whom he served during his captivity. On October 18th, he was invited by one of the young braves to a council of sorts in the braves' own longhouse. Jogues knew well that it could be a trap, but his mission made it impossible to refuse the invitation. When he entered the longhouse, he was immediately tomahawked and beheaded. John de la Land was still safe in the aunt's house and was told basically that he had to remain there for his own safety. He could not, however, let his master's body remain unburied and without proper reverence. So he went out to collect the body of Father Jokes. He was caught and suffered the same fate. Both Jokes and de la Land's heads were put on pikes on the village wall and their bodies thrown into the river. In an interesting twist... The following year, 1647, natives who were allies of the French captured the Mohawk brave who was known to be responsible for Jogues' death. He was tried and sentenced to death, but the night before his execution, he requested baptism and took the name Father Isaac Jogues. The death of De La Land would be followed in 1648 and 1649 by the martyrdoms of Antoine Daniel, Jean de Berbeuf, Noel Chabanel, Charles Garnier, and Gabriel Lalamont, the other five North American martyrs. But they were all martyred in Canada, so we'll let the Canadian Catholic History Podcast cover them, if it exists. Goupil, Jogues, and De La Land were canonized as a group in 1930 by Pope Pius XI as St. John de Berbeuf, St. Isaac Jogues, and Companions Martyrs. As a group, they are known as the North American Martyrs and as the Canadian Martyrs. They are officially the patron saints of Canada, and one of two major shrines to them is in Midland, Ontario, near the town of St. Joseph and its successor, the Mission of St. Marie among the Huron, where they were located. The other major shrine is in Orysville, New York, along the Mohawk River, very near the site of the Mohawk village of Osernanon. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please help us out by giving us a five-star rating and a good review and support the work of SQPN. Your support at sqpn.com slash give helps make sure American Catholic History and all the StarQuest podcasts remain available. To learn more about the North American Martyrs, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on social media at facebook.com slash American Catholic History or follow StarQuest on Twitter at SQPN. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. What a rock!